This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. I'd like to begin by reading some verses by Milton Moon, who is an Australian potter who spent many years uh, in Zen training in Japan uh, many decades ago uh, in the Rinzai tradition. Now he's back in Australia making uh, ceramics uh, that bridge the sensibility of uh, Japanese tea ceremony and something of the uh, uh, native uh, Australian uh, art and materials. And he sent me uh, this long poem about... uh, the sensibility of uh, tea ceremony and haiku and how they are linked. (coughs) It's called The Seasons of Culture in Untrammeled Verse with Apologies by Milton Moon. (coughs) Fuyu, Haru, Natsu, and Aki. Winter, Spring, Summer, and autumn. In Japan, the land of Renga, Waka, Haiku, Tanka, and Cha. New year begins in winter. In the lower hemisphere of this top and bottom world, exactly the same time the year begins in summer. The word itself, Fuyu, sounding as cold as snow, seems uninspiring. But of all the seasons, it alone nurtures the mystery of wabi, a measure of finer sensibilities. During Haru, the spring of seasons, the miracle and fragility of newly opening flowers and urgent nesting nest building, heralding the twitters of eager newness and innocent discovery, the joy of blossoms, fragile and soft, Beautiful still, even when they fall. Natsu is the summer of life. In Japan, the rains come. And Mushi Atsui, the time of moist heat. Not to everyone's taste. (laughs) Ah, but then follows Aki. A blaze of maples everywhere. Hillsides richer than gold. Colored like the setting sun. The Christian world says... North, south, east, and west, the shape of a cross. In Buddhist Japan, they say, north, east, south, and west, an ever-moving, never-ending circle, the enso of oneness, enlightenment. Culture itself is like the circle, never-ending, ever-flowing, merging as do the seasons. There is no date, hard and fixed, when seasons start or finished, 
nor do cultures end or obey arbitrary dictates. Culture happens, unplanned, of itself. In Japan, Renga, the art of linked verse, has origins much earlier than some claim, the beginnings lost in hearsay and myth. Let scholars dispute. It matters little as to when words reached out to other words, in form shy and tentative, suggesting more by saying less. Cleverly devised is a cultural performance taken up by aristocrat and court. Renga became a measure of sensitivity and observed sensibilities. There were rules, of course, three separate phrases for what became haiku, measured in syllables, go, sichi, go, in length, and for waka, two added phrases of seven syllables each. As often happens, Renga became a measure of cleverness and smug pride. Tis said the best of verse was not performed, but shared by those who shunned the public glare of approval. Those who really knew of cultural worth crept from displayed performance to share with others who thought the same. Shared thought, shared worth. There's a rightness in the pairing of waka and chawan. When all words had been said and soft awareness lost, the taking of tea borrowed from the meditation room, easing slumber and dulling mind from long, long hours of introspective mindfulness and meditation, became the sipped taste of a new cultural expression. There was a form in the taking of tea within a temple. Disciplined form makes a disciplined mind. Mainly Zen, it grew in such complexity to become a new blossoming of poetic form, adding burnish and refinement to the culture of Cha No Yu. In those early days, tea in its many forms was rare and highly prized afforded only by court and aristocracy, an ostentatious show of social and official importance. Wealthy merchants and cultural pretenders soon joined their ranks, outdoing each other in pretension. Maibutsu prized teaware from Japan graced expensive show-in tea houses for all to see. Warlords vied in cultural battles, no less, to outperform others with social show. Even tea masters became collectors' bounty. Again, those who knew, who really knew, crept away taking refuge in humble places, to the soan, the grass hut, in which to share tea with those of similar mind. This was wabi-cha, tea of noble poverty. The tea bowls they used were not famous, often common rice bowls from Korea. Some cha-chin made their own bowls, finding them in simple kilns from a hobby, a raku tradition was born. The mind of the poet expressed in the clay of the potter, the turning wheel, the unbroken rim of rightness, even waka of high-end times was reborn in modern form as tanka. 
the poetry of Waka crossed cultural boundaries, shaping an understanding of words beyond silence. The mind of the poet, senses molded and further refined, became Chado, the poetic way of tea. Beyond both, the wordless sound, the mysterious whisperings of the wind in the pines. One of the reasons I wanted to read this, uh, the opening of this talk, is how it reflects on how any form can get taken up and changed over time and put to all sorts of um, different uses. How one generation's simplicity becomes the next affectation. Uh, I think it is a um, terrible danger uh, with all things um, Asian and Buddhist that we uh, make them quite precious and uh, the whiff of affectation really can cling to all these uh, forms if we're not careful including the forms of a, of a zendo um, I think we we need to be very conscious of the I call it affective or emotional tone of our practice and of our places of practice. Um, what does it feel like there? How does it feel to us to be part of it? How does it feel when we first enter or where? How does it feel to a stranger when they first enter? There are places um, that give off an atmosphere of great rigor, exclusivity, elitism, pride in doing something um, that ordinary people can't do. There are other places that are very welcoming, open-minded, sometimes to the point of wanting to make sure no one is pushed too hard, no one is offended, that uh, everything is comfortable and not too challenging. Sometimes places give off a whiff of feeling like we are the only ones that have the real truth, the real practice. Others create an atmosphere of uh, we're open to everybody and everything, right? Minds so open that their brains fall out. (laughs) Right? That kind of uh, acceptance that leads to total non-discrimination between any kind of spiritual woo-woo that is in the marketplace (laughs) at the moment, right? But the other end of the extreme is 
we are the masters of the universe. You know, we've got reality by the short hairs. You know, <laughs> nobody else really knows the truth except the people who trained here. Right? Two two big deep ditches on the side of the road. Yeah? <laughs> and we see this kind of uh, tone reflected in our own personal practice, our own sense of who we are and what we're doing here. Do we push and challenge ourselves and feel like we're endlessly you know, trying to climb the t- tallest mountain? Is it that kind of heroic endeavor that we're uh, up to? Or are we just leaving ourselves alone, you know, sort of drifting merrily, merrily down the stream? And uh, it'll take us where it takes us. No problem. Very, very different um, tones and sensibilities can uh, come to this practice. Those tones reflect people's different uh, core beliefs in Joko's terms or underlying organizing principles. Do we have a sense of uh, damage, uh, missing something in ourselves that we're endlessly trying to fix and repair? Is that what practice is? Do we have a sense of our own specialness, that we are unique in really seeing what's what, and we've picked out the most elite practice, you know, with the most elite teachers, you know, we're going to go with, with you know, to the, to the Harvard of Zen, you know. <laughs> Very interesting to do a kind of inventory of uh, <coughs> how this feels, who you think you are, where you think you are, what does this all feel like to you. We're going to have a discussion group later on on uh, haiku and poetry. And again, something very simple can get very encrusted in all sorts of connotation and feeling. Uh, We'll bring in some examples and uh, talk about that, what it means to try to make it new uh, rather than what does it mean to try to put on uh, old clothes that we found in the attic. <laughs> Let's see how it feels. <laughs>